When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now tuned in to the Edgework Podcast with David Panyota, Dennis Bernstein, and Zach Bodenstein. Welcome to the Edgework Podcast here on the Hammer Betting Network with our regular crew once again, Dennis Bernstein, David Panyota. I'm Zach Bodenstein. The season is dwindling down. Time is just passing by. Time flies when you're having fun. And there's a lot to talk about in the NHL right now. Some very interesting races brewing right now. And something, DB, that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is the wild card race, both in the East and the West. We've got three teams essentially fighting for two spots. If you give Buffalo a chance, an extreme dark horse, you could say four in the East. But uh, right now, it's a lot of fun right now tracking those wild card teams. It is, if you like mediocre hockey, Zach. If you like not coming <laughs> through in the clutch, except for Matthew Kachuk. Um, it's, it's a dance that seems to change every day. I guarantee tomorrow when we wake up, there's probably two other teams in the East wildcard. A little less uh, chaotic in the West with respect to Winnipeg and Calgary, and that's a huge, huge game tonight. But, yeah, the, the I don't know. Like some nights I think, okay, the Islanders are going to get in, and I watch them play and they can't score. And I'm not sure. And then Pittsburgh, I really don't trust that team. And, no. and you know, I haven't trusted Buffalo all year, right? I've said they're the biggest teams in the NHL. And the way things are going, they'll probably get, they'll probably win out and find a way to get in there. But it's be really intriguing, and it's great because, the, you know, at the top, look, you have Boston, that that set, Toronto, uh, uh, Tampa set. Uh, so they have these teams at the bottom do this little dance too. I, I think it's going to be the game eighty-two, Dave. I don't think we're going to yeah. have a deciding factor with respect to both teams in the East. Uh, you probably have a playing game at game eighty-two, or teams playing for an opportunity to get in the top eight in the East once we get to next week. Yeah, it's it's going to go down to the wire. I mean, you look at the standings right now, and you got Florida in the first wild card seed, tied in points with the Islanders for the second wild card seed, and they're both one up on the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they've all played the same amount of games. They all have four games left. So, yeah. I mean, this is this is going to go right down to the wire, and every freaking day this thing kind of changes. You're like, all right, the Panthers are done; they've lost three in a row. Well, hold on, they just won four in a row. You know, Penguins are all they're, they're secure. Well, no, they stink again. So. Like it's it's just it's up and down craziness. The only team that's been moderately consistent in all this guys has been the Islanders because they're just yeah. coasting. They're like mediocre coasting right now, which is not where they expected to be either. They thought they'd be a lot better off, especially after getting Bo Horvat. But the injury to Barzell has played a factor. Wallstrom not been huge. Played a factor too. So there's there's a lot that I mean the Islanders I think are going to be able to stick with it. I think it's going to be Florida or, or or Pittsburgh. But then I look at this and I'm like, all right, well I think they're set. Like, I think maybe it's too little too late for the Penguins. And then in two days, I'll probably change my mind because these freaking teams can't figure it out. Yeah, because so, – and, Zach, here's the thing. These people that want to expand the playoffs and have a play-in, like the, we got a play-in right now. Like, this is a play-in tournament for the yeah. last two seeds in the East. Like, we don't need the 10th place team in the East trying to get in. And I don't know. It, this, this crazy setup in the NBA, I don't know who gets in, who doesn't play. Like, please, you've got races – at the top in the West, the bottom in the West, at the bottom in the East, 
that's enough. And then we get the next weekend. There's only, oh, there's only 16 teams left, Zach. So these people like keep saying we should expand it to 20. It's it's ridiculous. Like, don't fix what's not broken. DB, yeah. believe me, we've got enough mediocre teams that are going to get in the playoffs this year. We do not need more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, look, and, and we're, we're those three freaking teams in the East, uh, Carolina's continuing to get it done. I'm not sold on them long term with, mm. with what's going on come playoff time. Seattle, man, Jets, whatever. Flames, done. So, I, I mean, look, if you're if you're playing your fifth last game of the season and you're fighting for your playoff life and you get the opportunity to play the Chicago Blackhawks and lose in regulation to the freaking Hawks 4-3, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. Who had lost eight in a row. You don't deserve to make the playoffs. There was an L8 next to Chicago's name last night. It just ridiculous. There are a lot of guys on the Flames that I love, but I'm sorry. You had your opportunity. You screwed it up. You squandered it, squandered it, and wait, wait, too little. Even if you make it in, you're done. I, I know it changes that dynamic a little bit, but forget it. You have four games left. You're two games, two points back of the Winnipeg Jets who have a game in hand on you, who you're playing tonight. Yeah, in Winnipeg. I, in off a of back to back, I don't know. I think it's too little for for that team. But even if they make it, Zach, to your mediocre. Even the Jets now mediocre. Seattle. He's closing with a rush. No one, no one's close. You, you would think Jack, one of these teams would close with a rush. And just a little sidebar with respect to the Flames game last night. So I'm I'm at Kings Oilers in the press box. I'm looking at the score and four two. Like who scored the fourth goal for Chicago? <laughs> like Austin Wagner. Mm. Austin Wagner got traded from the Kings. In, he hadn't played in the league in, I don't know, a year and a half. And he, he went up scoring the deciding goal of the game. I'm sorry. And now they're going back to Markstrom tonight. Like, holy cow. Okay. It's just – but you know something? You know what really bugs me, Zach? If somehow Calgary gets in and Edmonton's the first seed, Edmonton-Calgary, I, I don't think that'll be so easy for Edmonton as great as they're playing. Yeah. Those two teams have a tendency to play these like eight, seven wild games, Dave. Like they are yeah. the more unpredictable games. Pittsburgh, Philly, back in the day, I guess it's still kind of yeah. up. But but the Battle of Alberta, I mean, it is just wacko. It, it it would be nuts. It would be nuts to see that again in the playoffs. Um, I, this time in the first round, I don't know. I, I but again, like all of a sudden, Markstrom's going to have an epiphany and just play like a. Vesna caliber goaltender like he did last season until he made the playoffs. Like I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't trust them. Yeah, like just no, none of them. No, I don't trust any of these freaking teams. So all these wild card battling teams, guy here. <laughs> so no shot against any of the division winners because we could be talking about a couple of not in races, not in the West. Yeah, not oh. in the West. The only honestly, whoever the hell plays Carolina. Yeah, and that's yeah. So here's the thing: the one team that will have a shot, and not a great shot, will be the Islanders, because every game against Carolina would be three two, two one, mm-hmm. and they have the defense and goaltending, so they could find a little bit of scoring. And Carolina, I, I think they'll struggle to score in the playoffs. That would be the one matchup I say, okay, this team has a, a legit upset shot. Not that I would bet on them, not that they would be favorites, but the style of playing that series, first of all. It, it, the TV ratings, if you had, if that was one of the eight, that would be the bottom. That would that would be the least. That would be the lowest yeah. rating because those games would be, yeah, they would be contentious. They would be close. 
there wouldn't be a lot of action. So I think when you when you had a, a choice of eight games to watch, I think Carolina on the series would be um, would be a little bit of a struggle to watch. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, not going to generate the offense. And Carolina is certainly a team that is a candidate to be upset, especially with the Svechnikov injury. We spoke about it when Pacioretty went down. How are they going to address that? They didn't. Uh, and then they lose Fetch. So it's it's not easy. I mean, it's they're not a team that's going to expect to be expected to coast in the first round. And then you've got a couple of really fun, good teams that look like they're locked and loaded right behind them in the Metro did the dynamics change in the standings? They certainly could. Uh, but one of the races that we're looking at that we were talking about a bit off air is the Pacific Division, DB. You saw yeah. Edmonton Oilers a couple of times last week. Of course, you follow the LA Kings. Vegas is in the mix, too. Uh, it's been a really fun – that is a legitimately fun race because all these teams have something to prove. And they all have question marks in net. Right? You know, yeah. And that's the thing. And you could – Zach, across the league, I could probably mean six or seven teams that – or playoff teams that are legit and and have question marks. So like, here's the thing with Edmonton. Like they played really good defense last night. They played lockdown defense last night, which was stunning. Like the, last week in Edmonton, the Kings had 43 shots. Stuart Skinner was fantastic. Won them the game single-handedly. Kind of got some exceptional shorthanded goal. And last night, it two power play because they got nothing five on five. But they played great defense. And and with that power play, if they play this defense and get that goaltending. They can come out of the West without question. Like it, it's going to be really interesting to see that they they're playing playoff hockey, Zach, which I haven't seen. I, I expect you know six, four, seven, five games with this team. But when you watch them play last night, the system that they put in the last couple of weeks, this is look. They were a dangerous team anyway, right? Connor, Leon, I get it. But if Skinner's going to play this way, and, and they're not going to give up that much. Now, granted, the Kings had four regulars out, so you know if they plan to play. It's a little different story. It's going to be very, very interesting. And in Vegas. You, look, you got to go beat Nashville, right? Nashville's got like nine guys out of the lineup, right? Including Forsberg and Yossi. No final way. And again, that's that's a, a team where I don't think you're going to go to Jonathan Quick in the playoffs. And they go to Brassois, who they like. It's like the guys played one playoff game. And he he was in mop-up duty. He's played 27 minutes in the playoffs, Lauren Brassois. So you think this guy's going to go four rounds and win a cup? Maybe. The team in front of him better be damn good. But the, nope. so the experience, and even with Skinner, as great as he's been, you don't know. I think he's played two games. In a play. it, it, it's really interesting what, what's going to happen in the West. I, I do think that Vegas is going to hold on. Um, I, I think it's going to be Vegas, Edmonton, Kings. And for people that don't want change seedings and whatever, you want another seven-game series between Edmonton and L.A., assuming L.A.'s fairly yeah. healthy. And, you know, without Fiala, without Velarde, without Edler, and without Mikey Anderson – it wouldn't go seven, but if those guys are back for the playoffs, it'd be a really intriguing. So it's going to not only be an intriguing race to the end because it's not decided, but if it's LA Edmonton in the, in the first round, that's going to be another epic matchup like it was last season when it went seven. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that the Kings take the second seed because selfishly I got to cover the Leafs. So if the Leafs are the home team, I get those couple of games and this way I can go to Edmonton to catch the Oilers and Kings. Uh, <laughs> Cause the, the Oilers will be the road team. Um, are and you, you saying what? that the Leafs are going to go out in five, Dave? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying I would <laughs> – I'll skip games three and four in Tampa and make my way over okay. uh, to Edmonton for those games. But first time anybody I'm looking ever at said, this, I'm going, okay, it's – I was going to say, Dave, first time anybody ever uh, said, yeah. I don't want to go to Florida. I want to go to Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, no. I didn't say I didn't uh, – okay, that's fair. 
Now, in that, that circumstance, I, yeah, I want to go to – I'll pick Florida over Edmonton any day of the week. But for our work purposes and things like that, it would be a little bit more compelling for me to do it that way. So, you know, whatever. But the Oilers have – look, they got one point uh, ahead of the LA Kings. They both have four games left. I know Edmonton hasn't lost in regulation in, in quite some time here. Yeah. Um, and, and the Kings have been solid too. But, but you know, with those four games left, I, I, I think this is another scenario that goes down to the wire. I thought beforehand, maybe going into last week, that L.A. might have an opportunity or a shot to get the division or maybe even the Edmonton Oilers. But Vegas has really stepped up here despite yeah, right. having, you know, some you know deficiencies in their lineup due to injuries. Um, but I think there might be enough runway for them to claim that division. And then it ends up being Edmonton L.A. again. And for yeah. Kings purposes, maybe it changes. Maybe it shifts a little bit. Because uh, yeah. I believe L.A. was L.A. was home last season, weren't they? No, no. Were they, they were the road team? They were three. They were the road team. Game seven. Yeah, game seven was an okay. empty Connor played 27 minutes. But here's the thing. If the Kings, any, any does get any type of home ice in the first round, they can win. They got to go to Colorado tomorrow mm-hmm. and win. And then they got to play um, – uh, they go to Vegas tomorrow and, and, and win. And then they play home against Colorado, okay. who's red hot. So that – so – it, they're looking like a three seed. Seattle beat Seattle over the weekend, so they're not going to fall to the four in the division. So my expectation right now is they'll start on the road to LA, and then they'll take their chances. Be a lot of fun to watch uh, Kopitar and Deneau down the middle against Connor McDavid yeah. again, and uh, absolutely Ryan Nugent Hopkins, hundred point player. I mean, it, it's we were talking about that last week, just how many guys are on the cusp of a hundred points, fifty goals, scoring way up. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think those two teams complement each other really well in the sense that they can counterbalance what the other team is good at. So I would really like that to be another series, and I don't see why it wouldn't go seven. And and they don't like each other, Zach. You know, Connor's look, Connor shouldn't have got suspended yeah, for the hit nope. on Mikey Anderson, but he got injured. He's, he's, uh, he's likely has a concussion. So the, And you watched last night. There was a lot of after-the-wrestle scrums because, you know, and the guy who's the difference maker – uh, Vander Kane, you might not like him, you might not love him, but he sticks his nose in and he's a pain in the ass to play against, especially against Los Angeles. So those teams have a really – they have a mutual dislike for each other, which would just add to the drama if they do nope. in the first round. And that's why they brought in – the Kings brought in Zach McEwen ahead of the trade deadline to add some toughness and physicality and also be able to keep up with the pace of play of the, the, the young fourth line for the LA Kings. So to be able to do that, to get that caliber player in there, adds a little bit of edge and grit to your lineup. That would be a pretty good asset to have when you when you know you're fighting for your life in, in a seven game series. DB, what about the Central? You just mentioned how hot Colorado is right now. Another win yesterday against San Jose. Uh, they continue to roll on, but don't sleep on Minnesota. Kirill Kaprizov back on the ice today at practice. Yeah. He might be getting closer. Uh, there's also the Dallas Stars. So what are you looking at in the Central? Well, Matt Boldy was fantastic in. KK97's absence. He was their MVP for that. Look, Kaprizov's their MVP. But for this stretch, Boldy was great. Just losing that game in overtime to Vegas, like, it just you're, – you're winning with 35 seconds left. That that two point – that one point, Zach, might decide the division. And the way it's handicapped right now, you look at the odds, Colorado's favorite. Of course they are. Mm-hmm. They should be. Like, and Dallas, nobody talk- – here's the thing. Everybody talks about how great Boldy was, how Minnesota was. Nobody talks about Dallas. Who could easily come out of the division yeah. without question? Like, you know, Robertson's got to heat up a little bit more. You know, look, he was amazing the first, what, 50 games, guys? Cooled off a little bit. So, but they have the depth. Like, Max Domi's been really good for them. Like, that's been a really great act. 
So they have they have the quality defense. Ottinger's going to have to be probably a 925, 930 save percentage guy. So that that's it. So right now I, I handicap it. I, I, nobody's talking about Dallas, but I think Dallas can pass Minnesota and get to the two seed. And that will, again, would be an epic uh, matchup in the first round. I know people complain that these one really great team will get knocked out, but I, I got to like Colorado. If they have, you know, 75 or 80% of their team, like it, if McCarr can play the last few games, I don't think Gabe's coming back at least till the regular season's over. It's going to be really, really intriguing. So uh, yeah. if I had to handicap it, I'd say Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota. What about you, Dave? Yeah, yeah, the way things are structured right now, I, I can see it. And, and I agree with you with respect to the Stars. I mean, with Jake Ottinger in net and the pretty sound defense that they're getting and the offense that's been spread out, I, I, I like the Dallas Stars. I really do. I like their makeup. I like what they bring to the table. I like the fact that Jamie Benn got his head out of his you-know-what this season yeah. and is performing True. You know, really well. I mean – you know, Sagan was off to a really good start and then has dipped a little bit in, in the second half. So I wonder if maybe he's dealing with something. But, I mean, he's been at least consistent in trying to create offense. Jamie Benn yeah. has been really, really good again this year, getting back on track for this team. So you look at this roster and you look at this team with whatever he's at now, over 100 points now with Robertson. Um, but it, getting him to heat up now going into the stretch – or excuse me, going into the playoffs um, – I, I like this team. I saw them in Arizona over the weekend, uh, or on Friday, rather. And, you know, the Coyotes have been a bit of a pesky team for, for a lot of these Western mm-hmm. Conference clubs. And the fact that Dallas, well, they did give them, Coyotes did give them a little bit of a battle in that first period. But halfway through the game, Dallas just decided, all right, the hell with this. Let's just, let's just, <laughs> let's just figure this out and roll over them. Yeah, I, I would say that Dallas, Zach, they're really constructed for the playoffs. They have size. Um, they have scoring on the wing. They have the goaltender. Really like their defense. They're well coached by – and, you know, first year Pete DeBoer. Like, what happens? Final. Like a team – right, final, boom. So, really solid coach who's never won. Maybe this is the team. Maybe this is the year they can get out. And, you know, they have – and they have the experience. Like, you know, they got to – you know, in the bubble, they were in the final. So, this is not – like, when they get to game one, game 83, game one of the playoffs, it's not going to be – uh, unusual ground for them. Like they, they've been there before. Now, granted, it was Udobin and not Ottinger, but this team is really constructed for the playoffs. Absolutely, I'm with you. I know Dave has some friends on this team too, but like you look at their decor, and they're not a one line team like a lot of people think they are. But when you have Haskin and you have Lindell on the left side, right. that's as good a one two, in my opinion, as anybody in the league. Ottinger showed last year against Calgary that in a seven game series he can hold up. Right? Yeah, he could be, yeah, he could be the guy. guy just- he got beat on a miracle shot. And you're right, you know, nobody talks about Lindell. And we were in Dallas uh, a couple months ago for a hot stove show. And we talked to Jim Nell. And we talked about Esther Lindell, who nobody talks about, right? Because he's one of those steady, stay-at-home guys. He's a huge key for this team. Because you're right, Heiskanen is going to do his thing. But he can do that because he can rely on Esther Lindell to stay back, to stay at home. He'll jump in the play sometimes. But again, it, you win in this league with size on defense in the playoffs. Like, look at Tampa. Look at Colorado. You have to have size. You can't have – I get it. The move is towards smaller, quicker defenders. But, you know, when push comes to shove, look look who – it's Victor Hedman, right? It's guys like that. It's like Esalen those type of players. You need size on the back line, and Dallas has it in spades. So, again, they're going to be a really dangerous team. But, Zach, here's the thing. There's, these teams are so close, they might get knocked out in the first round. Like, there's going to be, like, two or three really, really good – the, the, the wild cards aside, the teams in the 2-3 matchup, 
it's going to be really, really difficult for some of these teams to go home after like five or six days. I'm with you. Central stacked. You've got those three teams and, you know, two of them are going to have to go against one another. So that's pretty much it. So Dave uh, cut out for a little bit, but he's back now. We're just talking about the Dallas Stars and talking about, you know, in my opinion, down the left side, Lindell, Haskin, and that's as good a one-two that you're going to find in the NHL. I know you've got some buddies on this team as well. This is a really tight race in the Central. And I mean, Two of them are going to have to get, I mean, one of them's going to have to get knocked out, right? Like yeah. process of elimination, two of them are going to have to face one another in the first round. Yeah. And, and yeah, I had a little connection issue, but I was listening in, still able to listen in on what you guys were saying. And, and DB touched on it with respect to Lindell. The fact that you've got that size, that, that caliber of, of defenseman on that back end, it's big. It's, it, it, it's significantly impactful for a team that's trying to chase and trying to win a championship to have that caliber player on that team. That's why teams look yeah. for those kinds of players. You know, they don't have to be the flashy guy. You don't have to be that, that number one, number two defenseman. You provide that grit and stability on that back end. That's, that's an invaluable piece to a championship caliber roster. So, and again, to his point, yeah. Tampa's got it, Colorado had it, and so on and so on. So, I mean, you, you, need, you need that going into the postseason. And Zach, you're right. One of these teams is going to get bounced in the yeah. first round. I mean, at least, unless there's a huge upset. But you're looking at one of these teams getting bounced in the East. Uh, excuse me, in, in the central. And I don't, I have a tough time trying to predict it, but if it's, if it's the way things are at right now, if Colorado takes a division and if Dallas, Minnesota, I think I'm leading Dallas in a seven gamer. Mm-hmm. And, and back to size on defense and go back to Edmonton for a second. Right. You can't tell me Evan Bouchard is not going to be a better defender with Matias. Uh, absolutely. Like, right. He's had, he's had, he, he's had a really bad season. He really has. Uh, but when you get you bring that stability and size next to him, all of a sudden these players become better players. Same thing with LA with Gavrikov. Yep. Like you, you see it over and over. Look at the deals for defensemen that were made. It's size. It's not the speedy little guy. You look, yeah, Shane Gossespierre did go to Carolina, but like it, it's about size. It's about stay at home ability. It's about deflecting pucks out of the uh, uh, out of the slot. And, and that's what you see with a lot of these teams that have that size on defense. Dave, you go to a lot of Leaf games. Michael Bunting is not. Uh... The most well, uh, I, I should rephrase. Michael Bunting is not the favorite player of linesmen and referees in the NHL. We've seen him get into a few uh, scrums with the officials, and obviously uh, the coaching staff, the GMs, they're kind of talking to him, telling him to mellow down. Uh, what's your take on all this? Because it's just been fascinating. It, it has been, um, and yeah, sometimes you know you say a little bit too much, you get in trouble. Um, I know, uh, I do that a lot, but <laughs> but. This is like this. I like it. I like the edge and the energy that he's got. I mean, I would probably be doing the same thing. I'd probably be mouthing off a little bit too much and getting in trouble for it. But I mean, the thing is, he's drawn a crap load of power. I think he's one of the top guys in the league in terms of drawing penalties. So if if he's going to keep that going, that's just the way he's he's playing. And if he's not getting the calls that he wants, obviously he's going to be frustrated by it. And he's going to yap a little bit extra. Maybe he needs to dial it down come playoff time. Um, but, yeah. I mean, you know, for the most part, he's been putting his money where his mouth is. So I, I don't really see a problem with it. If you're going to own up to it and if, if other teams are going to call you out on it and you step up and face that challenge, go for it. I mean, yeah, the refs and linemen, maybe ease up on them a little bit. But I don't know. I I. I you know, other than, unless he's getting penalty after penalty for melting off, just keep doing what you're doing. 
You know, I heard to complete the resume that Bunting called Montreal and talked to Michael Pizzetta and said, like, want some tips on the, the Tiger Williams goal celebration in case he scores the game-winning goal. Yeah. Just to complete the circle yes. of that. Because with all the chirping and our phrase, and Dave's right about one thing. You can't take you can't take two-minute unsportsmanlike conduct penalties against Tampa no, in the playoffs. Exactly. You can't. Because if he does, if I'm if I'm Keith, I'm sitting him on the yep. bench. Like I'll sit him on the bench for like ten minutes in a, in a game. Not going to scratch him, but you got to. It's really tricky. You you got to walk the line in the playoffs because you can't put that power play on on uh, uh, you know give them another opportunity when it's not a scoring chance, especially if you can't control yourself in your mouth and your temper. So that, he's really got to watch out for that in the postseason because it, it, against Columbus at home, sure that's no problem when you already clinched the second spot basically. Not against Tampa in a game two or game three. He really needs to watch it. There's a fine line that you kind of have to straddle. And I think Brad Marchand, he's found it so perfectly where he's not taking these stupid penalties and he's not getting into it with refs, but he is playing his role so perfectly. Uh, I think he's kind of the model. He's never been called a model player in terms of his attitude, yeah. but I really do think that like, if somebody wants to play with an edge, Dave, you got to kind of model that where you have to play clean, but not clean at the same yeah. time. Dig. Dig as much as you can. Just just do it. Do it. Go nuts. Turn that screwdriver as much as you can. Like, whatever. Like, get under the guy's skin. Do what you got to do. If they're going to fall for the bait, that's on them. I mean, you're playing your game. You're playing your style. And it's worked for you over the course of the last couple of seasons here. It's going to earn you a big contract on your next one this summer, whether it's with the Leafs or another team. Who knows uh, at this stage. But it's working for you. So dial back the refs. Maintain the same pace that you're doing with the other team and hope that if, every now and again some guys get baited. So Leafs and Lightning again in the first round for the second straight year. Not a shock to anybody. So we will uh, keep an eye on Michael Bunting considering, for that one. Considering that's been basically set in stone for the last like three months. Yeah, ever since Boston got off to the, the strong start, it's yeah, pretty right. much been set in stone. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, uh, again, Michael Bunting's got to watch it because he's got a potent power play on the other side. Uh, we've been talking about good teams. We've been talking about mediocre teams. Let's focus on the bad teams. And there's this race to the bottom, and we've been talking about it, and we're having so much fun watching it. Yep. But some of these teams just refuse to lose and uh, also refuse to win at the same time because that's kind of where they are right now. Uh, but, you know, San Jose, they're heating up. Chicago, as you mentioned, DB, they got that win against the Flames, which might have sunk their season. Uh, DB, who are you looking at at the bottom right now? Where do you want to see Bedard go? Where do you think he's going to go? Hmm. Okay, so I'm not going to make friends. Now. <laughs> um, about, about 40 miles south of me. Like, do you really want Connor Bedard playing games at 10:30 at night, Pacific, you know, Eastern time, for a team that is in a huge amount, a huge rebuild? You look at their goal differential, Zach. It's the, they're the only team triple-digit goal differential. Yeah. Like, and look, there, there's one saving grace if he goes to Anaheim: McTavish, Zegris, and Bedard. That would be must-see TV. But it's in a market that's really small, and it's an Orange County team, and nobody in Los Angeles cares about the. Anaheim Ducks and Duck fans can rail at me if they want, but it's just True. it's just not the case. So the West Coast teams, look, would it be nice for them to go home to Vancouver? Sure. I, I think Chicago's the, the best place for the league would be Chicago because the torch has been passed, right? Kane's gone. Don't think Taser's coming back. Like right? so, so that would be the next generation. So that would be that would be great. Is it fixed? It's not fixed. So people need to stop it. Like it, that that's not. Look, the, the really intriguing one. That 2005 Zach, draft, maybe. Other than that, 
Speaking of Anaheim. Hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Connor McDavid still hasn't won a cup, so it's not that easy. The intriguing one, Zach, I'll leave you with this one. Would to be have John Tortorella coached Connor Bedard. That's what I want to see. You didn't back check. You're sitting on the bench for 10 minutes. So that would be that would be the the most infamous pairing. Uh, but I, I think Chicago for the league would huge. be the most sense, huge media market. Like I said, they're ready to step into the next generation and yeah. go from there. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if I get the if you pick a market uh, with the team history and everything like that, it's Chicago. I mean, you pass the torch on from Taze to Bedard. Maybe Taze plays one more season, maybe um, if if health permits, and you pass it on to Connor Bedard and have him be the new face of of that franchise. Um, it all aligns. Market makes sense. The franchise makes sense. The, the turning of the tide and everything. If the Blackhawks win the lottery, um, and I, I guess that there's still a chance they could finish with the best odds because they're tied with Anaheim and Columbus in points at this moment with 56, and they all have five games left. I mean, that would be that would be it. And then, but look in this draft, the consolation prize if you finish seconds, Adam Fantelli. Yeah. There's. Just no Bedard, he's probably number one. So, yeah. and then you have Leo Carlson. So there are a lot of guys. Yeah, like the top three. Yeah, and, and for and the other team guys is Gaudreau, Lane, Bedard. Yeah. So even if he goes to Columbus, which is a small market, at least it's in the middle of the country, games on on ten thirty at night. That would be intriguing. So, so there's intriguing like and the thing with Chicago, well, if he ends up like there. they have a coach. Yeah. Chicago has a good, really good coach yep. in place. Luke Richardson's done a really good job. The team stinks, but he's done a really good job. And Anaheim, look, Dallas Inc. is not going to be the coach next year. So there's going to be that much change. So, And what's Pat Burby going to do with a roster that's solely not contested? So there are more stable situations than Anaheim. That's why you know it makes more sense, time zones aside, to have them in one of these other markets. Yeah, there are certain ones that I, I think most NHL fans would prefer. I mean, nobody wants to stay up to watch these guys. It's understandable i get it the other one the other one for me is montreal i mean if the canadians somehow get a generational player like and i hate using that term but i mean in this case it's true in in Connor bedard and then to get a a potential superstar in in fantilli if the canadians up one or two in this draft to get that center that they've been looking for for so long with all due respect to nick suzuki and, and full respect to Kirby Doc, who's I think eventually will get shifted back to center unless they pull this off. And also with due respect to Pierre-Luc Dubois, who wants to play there, if they end up with Fantilli or Bedard, forget Dubois is going to have to find another place he's going to want to go to because I don't know what the hell they're going to do with him unless they're throwing him on the left side. You know what he could do, Dave? He, he could play in Quebec when the Coyotes move to Quebec. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that one. In seven years when Quebec gets a team through expansion. <laughs> it's a deep draft. And I mean, talking about Montreal, they've got so many good deep prospects that if you add like another one or two high level forward up there, uh, that could really go a long way for them. But, you know, talking about deep drafts, like DB, you're going to love this, but I had a vote basically for the OHL's version of the Ted Lindsay award. I took Brant Clark. He played 31 out of six games. He's, he's the most impressive player (laughs) in the league. So when you talk and and he went eighth overall. So like when you talk about deep drafts like that, if you don't get one, you don't get two. You could still get a stud. Yeah. Could definitely have. Yeah. Yeah. And and Zach, you know, a little bit more on Brent Clark since I have a lot of obviously a lot of LA followers. Like just observing him and his he's just a dominant player who shouldn't be playing in that league this year, correct? He's way over 
talented to play in the OHL. Just talk a little bit about watching him in person. Exactly. That's pretty much what it is. I mean, he, he looks like he's playing shinny out there. He's below the goal line in the offensive zone. He'll win every puck battle. If his teammates lose it, the next thing you know, you think you've got a two-on-one coming the other way. He's right back there. It's 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 like a, a man amongst boys. And I think that, you know, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. They need to change this rule where you can't be only NHL or OHL eligible. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to find middle ground to give this guy some pro experience and not burn a year of his contract. Agreed. And that's the problem, Zach. Then now he's got to probably go to Ontario in the AHL next year to get pro experience, play against men every night. Like he's got a shot to to make the roster in LA next season. But they have a lot of depth on the right side. They have Dursey, they have Spence. Uh, but you know, when you see Clark play, like okay, him right behind Dowdy. Now he's not Drew Dowdy. I don't think he's ever going to be that way defensively. But to have that kind of talent there, it's going to be really interesting to see how they accommodate it. But you're absolutely right. That age restriction really needs to change for exactly this reason for a guy like Grant Clark. Yeah, he really looks like an Eric Carlson out there. And, I mean, I know it's just junior. We'll see. I know he had his defensive struggles in the world juniors, but uh, he's taken it to a whole other level. And, you know, Barry's in a tied series right now in the first round, but he is basically just driving everything. So we'll see what happens with Brent Clark. Uh, Dave, you just got back. Yep. Finally, you can sit down, chill out, watch some baseball. How's baseball season? <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, it's a 162-game season, right? So half of Toronto is already panicking and thinking that the Jays are done. Uh, yeah, you're in that half, though. No, <laughs> I was frustrated because I knew I knew all this talk of Bassett and Bar- Barrios and all this crap, he's going to have a rebound season and all that, and it's going to take a little bit of time. So uh, I, I am the least patient person. He's not a patient uh, person. Out there. Watch a Jays game with Dave. You know he's not a patient person. Oh, man. There's F-bombs everywhere. Uh, so, like, exactly. I'm just – they're two and three. <laughs> they got a game today. They play KC again tomorrow. I'm just letting it ride. Let it ride. Let's see how the first month goes. And then let's see if guys can get their, their feet under them and, and their arms going and, and let's go. But 0% surprise after one game that Bichette already had an error. So, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't surprise me much either but you know no we're not even going to remember these series you know down exactly. the road yankee fans, though, db yankee fans remember everything oh yeah worst. <laughs> we do I, I remember we you know we clinched uh we, we clinched the division against last year and it just gives me um i just always chuckle because they're a really talented team and there's absolutely no question now Vorsho will go 100 wins and slow down but um a talented team but a very different team than last season so we'll see and I, I look, I'm a Yankee fan. I love to bang on the Jays all the time, but they did the right thing. They made them more athletic. They're, they're a better feeling, without exception of shortstop, which, ugh, okay. But but the outfield defense is much better. So we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a really interesting race. Yep. In I race. like I like the makeup of their team. Give them a little bit of time. And F you, Tampa, because the freaking Rays <laughs> just still every year come out of nowhere with guys that, ah, they're not going to be that great. And all of a sudden start the season five and oh, get the hell out of here. But they face Detroit and Washington, and they suck. Fair. But, but that's fair. But the Rays the Rays. Yeah. That's, you know. Exactly. Now, the Jays need that mentality with playing freaking KC. Let's go. I'm with you. I know. Yeah. Barrios is definitely a wild card. Bassett, velocity down. How was that? We'll certainly see what happens. So, uh, but one thing I know for sure is the pitch clock is a godsend. I, we, we've seen games be cut by like half an hour. I don't know if some people, some people might hate it. For me, I think it's the best game, best thing they've done in years to the game. So I uh, I like it 
because it doesn't just speed up that process. It now makes the game a little bit more interesting, especially with runner, obviously with runners on, right? Your your stolen bases yeah. are picking yeah. up, and eventually that'll even out a little bit. But now mm-hmm. it's it's a different kind of game because you you have a, you have less amount of time to kind of navigate the situation as it's going on, when, especially when you're the pitcher. So I love it. And remember one thing, boys, as Jays fans, it could be worse. You could be a Mets fan. Oh, that's freaking oh. true. That's true. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> you want to talk about teases with the Buffalo Sabres, the New York Mets? They're a tease. Yeah. They have the talent. But that's the problem. They're a tease, but they, they have the talent. They just can't do anything with it. And then the injury bug bit them in the ass hard, yeah. and ugh, which you don't want to see ever. But it's, I mean, that aside, the Mets, Seinfeld's got to be pissed. <laughs> they do have the uh, easily the most interesting owner in sports, in my opinion. No Cohen, he cares. And that's what I like. Yeah. Need more of that in the NHL. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll see what happens with Ottawa. If Ryan Reynolds, I mean, man, that would be a story. That would be great. I would love to see that. Well, if he pulls it off, if not, that Nico Sparks' group, I mean, they got a bunch of actors there. I think The Rock's part of that group. They got a few other athletes mm-hmm. part of it, too. Whoever ends up buying the Ottawa Senators, I think there's going to be the entertainment value tied to it is a big part of it. And, and that's the one thing that's undersold about that. Look at the last two teams that came into the NHL. Look at the Look at the owners. Bill Foley and Bonderman, like rock solid owners with legit money. Yep. That's what this needs. And look, God, Zach, if I told you like three years ago, Ottawa Senators, $800, $900 million, you would say that was on every drug in the world because there's no way it would have happened. But now with the success of these franchises, it's been great. And that's what this league is about. You need solid ownership. And that's what they have in Vegas. That's what you got in Seattle. And hopefully the same thing because you mentioned the names that are involved. It looks like that, you know, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, as good as the team look, is looking on the ice and they're a team on the rise, you, you need to have it backstop with great ownership, and it looks like they may get there. There is really an identity shift with the Ottawa Senators right now, and to add, you know, a good, solid owner behind that and, and have that foundation, I think, is something that that franchise in particular really needs. So uh, that would be huge for the Ottawa Senators if they are able to get a big face you know, attract something else. Relocating the arena, hopefully that's do something it. on the agenda down the road. Yeah, better freaking do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. So that is the Edgework Podcast. We'll be back next week as well. For Dennis Bernstein, David Pinota, I'm Zach Bodenstein, and we will see you next week.